And now, coming to you live from our coast-to-coast trading desk, this is the Flagship Pod, a weekly live podcast about the economy, market forces, the stock market, and everything affecting you and the markets around you. As always, I'm your host, Peter Star Northrup, coming to you in front of a live Discord audience, joined, as always, by Justin Kramer, co-founder and chief analyst here at Moby.co. Justin Kramer, man, what's good? How's life over at Market Close over at Thursday? So far, so good. I mean... We promised a, uh, a crazy start to the new year, I think, <laughs> obviously outside of our control, but I think we've delivered so far. There is. Um, the volatility, the market movements, it's just, it's madness. So it's, I hate saying, you know, we told you so, but like, dude, we told you so, guys. Like, this is, this is going to be par for the course for a bit now. Exactly. It's one of those things. It's like, I just, I hate being right all the time. And so what we're experiencing right now is just that genuine. <laughs> uh, I'm not saying that. We, we, pro- we promised you a fun 2020 and my, my God, 2020, 2022, don't miss. Sorry. I'm, I'm missing all the twos, I have to say, in terms of that. So audience, I really appreciate you you being here. I really appreciate all of your questions already coming in. Let me know if you have any questions about any like particular stocks you want us to look into. Let us know about any analysis you want. You can do that via chat over in voice chat, or you can hit me up directly on Mobistar here on Discord. If you're listening to this via recording, just feel free to hit us up at hello at mobi.co or just join the Discord here so you can be a part of these conversations week after week after week after week. But other than that, I just want to get right into it. So, Justin, uh, I guess the main thing, there's there's a lot of angles to tackle this from. And I think if we start, you know, with fiscal policy, we can kind of like move outwards. And so uh, we've known that the Fed has been talking about tightening fiscal policy for for weeks now. Like we've known it's coming. We, we That's kind of what we based everything on. We, we have the same homework everyone else does. But then the Fed announces, yeah, we're really doing it. Like the FOMC notes come out today, and it just initiates this kind of wild sell-off in both tech and a little bit in crypto too, but crypto may be getting fed by other aspects. So what's the deal here? Didn't we already know? Wasn't this stuff already priced in? Why have the FOMC notes caused such a huge uh, reaction from specifically growth tech stocks this week? So it's just like a reiteration of what's been happening, but as it gets closer and closer, it becomes so like when you look at the price of a rate hike this year, like the market's already pricing in around 80%. Whereas if you look back, you know, three, six months ago, it wasn't as high. So like, obviously nothing is guaranteed. So just as we get closer and closer and closer to that day, it becomes a re- more, real, real, more real. So I think the notes this month just kind of further signify that this is really like, I mean, bearing any unforeseen circumstances or any foreseen changes, like this is really happening. So for the time being, the market seeing the notes come out, seeing that, you know, the Fed is definitely going to start tapering, definitely start raising rates. And so the market's reacting. They're like, this is this is really happening. The valuations for these tech stocks are continuing to get compressed. And it's just it's just going to be more of the same for a while, um, unfortunately. Yeah, and I think that's something that a lot of like, as you become more of a long term investor, as you start watch, watching the market, you become kind of, it takes your breath away a little bit, just how reactive the market is. Because what happens is, is that you get news that a thing is going to happen, and the market kind of reacts a little bit and then recovers. And then guess what, the thing happens, and the market overreacts to it. And so just keep this in mind, keep in mind, the market is the largest, most complicated machine ever devised by the universe. It is a collection of billions of human minds reacting together with, uh, you know, various signals coming in and out, those signals being prices. But ultimately, you know, you've got a bunch of like 
you're, you've got feedback loops made out of other feedback loops made out of other feedback loops. And so the main thing you see in the macro is just these, these giant shifts once things become much more clear and much more focused. So keep that in mind. And so we can go through a lot of things too. We can go through all the reverberations of that. Um, and we're kind of seeing, you know, Tesla is recovering a little bit. There's a lot of like good headlines here. But I think the main thing I want to talk about is crypto because the crypto market just keeps getting hammered, not necessarily turning into a full on bear market, but just there's lots of huge world forces that have been driving the price of the whole market down. Uh, the more and more you look at it, it looks like Bitcoin really is the price leader in the crypto space, such that, uh, the, that bi the Bitcoin crash earlier in Q4 uh, is what kind of started this whole thing. And I thought that was fascinating because this actually cuts back all the way to last, uh, like August when China announced that they were going to basically, you know, uh, ban a bunch of exchanges and make it a little bit harder to, you know, be a crypto investor in China. And so the initial sell-off was actually people on uh, Asian exchanges just dumping all of their coins knowing they're going to have a harder time. And now this is where it gets wild. We're not even talking about the market anymore. We're talking macroeconomics because now that China's off the board, uh, at the exact same time, Kazakhstan's like, hey, buds, it's a good time for a revolution. Um, if, you're, if you're unaware, audience, uh, Kazakhstan has basically gone into three straight days of social unrest off the back of rising gas prices. The government was like, hey, I'm going to stop having gas prices be capped, and they doubled overnight. And I don't know if you know this, but people need, like, heating oil and stuff to heat their homes and, like, gas to drive around. And the, pro the price of gas literally doubled overnight in Kazakhstan. So it's not the best time to be doing that sort of thing. So straight-up revolution in Kazakhstan right now. Super cool. Uh, uh, much love to anyone if we know anybody uh, out there in the steps. But the main thing, that, that the reason that affects the market, it's not because, oh, there's a revolution. Bitcoin goes down. No, Kazakhstan is responsible for 18% of the Bitcoin hashing right now. Like, there are massive Bitcoin mining operations at old, very decrepit coal mines in Kazakhstan. So uh, it, it is amazing how little macroeconomic forces come into our, you know, our home markets here as well. And so Bitcoin's stabilizing a little bit, of course, but it's one of those things where it's like, maybe it's time to become a miner because a lot of the mining interest in crypto is finally going down. How do you even react, Justin, to just like the world coming in and just punching the market in the face less than a week into the new year? Like, I don't even know how to parse like these huge, these huge macroeconomic forces. Like, as you watch this, how does it sort of change your the game in terms of you thinking about your uh, as you add to your positions i know it's one of those things where just keep holding on because you're a long-term investor anyway but looking at all this macro stuff like how do you even begin to start trying to watch all the chess pieces on the board right now yeah you said it good earlier when you and i were catching up before this podcast and just talking about you know if prices continue to drop if you know there's a full-out revolution in kazakhstan and as you mentioned there's over 10% of Bitcoin mining is there. And like, obviously that's an issue if it has to go from China to there to there to somewhere else. So, I mean, if it keeps going down, like it, it really starts presenting a larger buying opportunity. I mean, in the long run, like the hash rate of Bitcoin has only gone up. It'll eventually get moved to another country. The amount of money being poured into Bitcoin and into crypto in the U S market is not going away. It's, it's not bad. So Listen, it hurts your portfolio because you're looking at it and you're measuring yourself in the top, but it still has like a long way, way to run, basically. Um, it's just, unfortunately, dealing with a lot of the day-to-day -day with interest rate movements. We'll see if that correlation stick, but there's, uh, there's a lot going on. So just unfortunately, you need to take it day by day.
Exactly, and it's one of those things you shouldn't even really be reacting to it, just kind of being mindful of it. It's not that the market is deciding that Bitcoin is not valuable. It's just that a lot of very interesting forces have lined up together to kind of really give that hit to Bitcoin. Of course, as a long-term investor, I'm hoping that this uh, bear market, this turns into a full-on bear market that we go fully down. Um, what we're seeing is that the fear index is the highest it's been since May of 2021, which was kind of the bottom of the last air quotes bear market. It doesn't really count, didn't really count as a bear market. It was like a bear week, really. It was super weird at the beginning of last year. Um, but uh, it, it, the, the main thing to watch is just seeing if it kind of bounces off 42 or not, Bitcoin's price. And what I really find interesting about all that is that it's not necessarily just like, you know, Bitcoin mining taking a hit. It's also P the, the market itself reacting to the Fed. And so I think it gets to a question. I got I got this question a lot because it's one of those things where you and I are still thinking really deeply about it. Like you've been going over the numbers a lot in terms of watching the patterns here and seeing Bitcoin as an on risk or off risk asset. And so when the thread uh, when the Fed, when the Fred, nice, when the Fed threatens um, raising rates and that sort of thing, Bitcoin's price goes down. What does that mean in terms of like, is Bitcoin actually an inflation hedge? Does Bitcoin follow the market more? Like, how can you how can you think about that as you sort of plan your, your strategy moving forward? Uh, has that changed yeah, your so, thinking at all? Yeah, so I mean, it definitely has. We like historically, my view and our view has always been that Bitcoin is a risk on asset. So in a risk off environment right now, which basically means that like these high risky stocks aren't performing well, Bitcoin in theory should fall down and it has fallen down. But someone recently within the last year saw, saw that Bitcoin has actually been tracking the price of interest rates movements over the last uh, year, year and a half. And seeing that like kind of makes you start to question like, is it going to be correlated? Is it not correlated Like outside of markets? Like, well, interest rates haven't risen in over a decade. So like, we're seeing the early stages of a relationship, but relative to like interest rates rising and Bitcoin rising, it's like it hasn't really ever been done before. I mean, interest rates have gone up a little bit since their their lows earlier this year, but it's still not substantial relative to like this decade plus decrease. So it's an interesting pattern I've watched. I don't think it's conclusive yet. And with interest rates even spiking in the last few days, again, very small relative to the, the decade plus time horizon we're looking at, the price of Bitcoin kept dropping down, but it's not a one-to-one -one correlation, even if it was you know, proven to be correlated. So long story short, like I just don't think there's enough data out there for anyone to say it is or it isn't correlated to the rise or fall in interest rates. It historically has been viewed on as, as a risk on asset, which would then be negatively correlated to interest rates. But there's also like, you know, the whole thing that it's not inflationary and all these things that in theory should then follow interest rates. So long story short, I think it's too early to say we'll need some more data over the next year. I think that's like going to be the data we need then over the longer term to point and say, hey, this actually is more correlated, isn't more correlated. And we can actually start calculating how correlated it really is. But in an environment where just rates have gone down forever. Um, it's, there's just, there's not enough data to say that like once that inverses, things will change. And what I love about that is somebody who was A, raised by scientists, and then B, went through a science program and ended up as a science teacher. What I love about this moment is it's a really strong opportunity to learn some really interesting information about Bitcoin and crypto itself. Because one of the key things there, audience, was that 
we haven't really seen interest rates be raised for essentially the entire time Bitcoin has existed. They've gone up and down a little bit, but we've never had, we have had this extremely qualitative easing, like let's just keep shoving money into this economy so that it doesn't completely collapse in on itself after 2008, which is when Bitcoin started and this whole crypto stuff began in the first place, right? This is the first time we're going to see fiscal policy and Bitcoin meet in a big way. And so for me, this is going to be a big test. So it's not predicting, oh, interest rates go up, price of Bitcoin will go up because we're seeing that correlation. It's interest rates are almost certainly going to be, you know, pumped up this year by the Fed. So let's see what Bitcoin does with that. And that's going to give us a much, much clearer view of what crypto is as a long-term investment. And so for me, it's an, ex it's an exciting year because during these kind of bear periods, it's not that you're, you're, you're missing out on money, you know, your positions go down a little bit, but you learn really valuable information about like which of your positions can take a punch, which of your positions may be a little bit more volatile, and it gives you a better sense of the health of your portfolio overall. And so frankly, I am just, I am deeply excited for this, but at the same time, I'm all about, you know, shifting into making more value plays this year. And so when we, when we think about that, of course, a lot of the, the stock picks you've gotten from us this week are more based in like those value plays. We're talking, we're talking healthcare. We're talking Microsoft. I can talk about Microsoft all day, but one really um, interesting prediction, one really interesting kind of like turn to this is also understanding what precisely a value play is. And so that's not necessarily a stock that is really well valued or a stock that is like super stable that can like take a punch like this. It's also stocks that even in a growth environment were traditionally undervalued. And so Justin, my angle here is, is that I'm also really impressed with um, your prescience with talking about NIO and the Chi and Chinese EV stocks, because it genuinely feels like something is unfreezing a little bit in terms of um, uh, the Chinese government uh, stopping wrapping their 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 big tech companies on the knuckles and sort of like letting them go. What have you seen since you? W tell me more about your research into Nio and tell me more. Is it Neo or Nio? I literally never get it right. Forgive me. Yeah, I think it's Neo. Oh my god, I don't. I literally don't. I I refuse to pronounce it correctly. It's like in my DNA. Sorry, dude. No worries. Um, yeah. So I mean, like, I guess like preface the section with I know we've been like preaching value and like obviously Neo isn't a value play. But it doesn't mean that like every single value stock can go up, every single growth stock can go down. Like Tesla is a testament to that. Tesla is obviously a growth stock, and it's been doing really well this year, especially with the news of deliveries recently. So it's not one size fits all. Um, so just want to put that out there, like when we're saying value versus growth and growth versus value, and et cetera, et cetera. Um, but then for Neo specifically, it's kind of like an interesting position right now because, excuse me, um, right now Neo is so compressed. They're like. It has so much upside opportunity. They're shipping cars all across Europe. They're spreading. Um, but I'm sorry, I, I got cut off. Um, no, so yeah, so it's just, it's interesting because their values are so compressed. Um, so, I mean, we'll see what happens. Um, right now, I think for them specifically, we're going to need to get more data and see ultimately, like, are they going to get delisted and that's been what's bringing their stock down? I don't think it's going to happen based on, like, all the initiatives the Chinese government wants to do, but it's, it's really too early to tell. Exactly. And I think that's that's something really important to point out. It's one of those things where you kind of noticed that, like, there was some softening in that relationship, like, literally... I would say six hours before the rest of the market did. And so what we're seeing is a lot of excitement around NEO and other Chinese EV stocks, but that's kind of 
pushing out towards other Chinese tech darlings. And so I'm going to finally start dusting off all the research I've been doing into Alibaba. Uh, I really wanted to do a report on them back uh, when I started here at Moby, more towards Q2, uh, right before things really started kind of cracking down. I've always thought Alibaba was tr like buying Amazon 10 years ago, essentially. So that's what I'm going to be looking into. No definitive calls yet. There's a lot of like uh, dots to like eyes to cross and uh, T's to dot or however you uh, reverse order of that. That's sort of Yeah, thing. I mean, like guessing what's going on inside the Chinese government's head in terms of what companies were allowed to do business, aren't allowed to do business. It's like, it changes every day. I mean, you saw stuff that happened with Jack Ma and Alibaba. It's like, you know, obviously we're in no position where <laughs> we're getting inside, inside information from, from China, but it's just, it's so, it's so a common cold there. It's crazy. Exactly. But if audience, if you know a guy, um, you know, hit us up. That'd be, it's, it's, we're always looking for more inside <laughs> information. Um, you never know, put, put it out there. Um, but th that get, that brings me back to America a little bit too, in terms of how we think about this. And I think it's one of those things when we think value stock and we think what's going to be like a good pick moving forward, we typically think utilities, we think energy, we think um, healthcare and financials. But uh, what I loved this week too, Justin, was all of your research into Constellation. Like there's some consumer discretionary that despite all these supply chain issues can perform well in a inflationary, contractionary fiscal environment. So t take me more through what you're thinking in terms of Constellation and how they're going to perform this year. So Constellation um, is like, they're a consumer stock, like retail stock, but they're in like a different class of like them versus Nike. Like it's not an apples to apples comparison there. So like what I mean by that is it's almost acts defensive in nature in the terms of like whether, you know, the economy is doing bad, the economy is doing good. People are still like drinking and buying alcohol. Like that's Eric in this group called sin stocks, like tobacco stocks, alcohol stocks, things that are sinful, quote unquote. So Constellation kind of falls within that group as like a massive like beer and, and spirits uh, distributor and brand. Um, so for them specifically, like they, alcohol was very popular in the last year or two. It's always been popular. Um, but for them specifically, like they were dealing with all the supply chain issues and we saw one of those starting to be alleviated at the end of, <clears throat> at the end of kind of like September, October, and since then, the stocks really responded by going up as those go away and as they start to report a lot of positive news. And so, like, they're up almost 25% in the last few months. So really happy to have been able to benefit from that. But at the same time, like, I don't think this run is, you know, close to over. So it's something that we're going to continue to recommend up to our price target recently. We put our analysis out on that. Um, and I see a lot more upside for Constellation coming based on all the things that we put in the report. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, that's really exciting, too. And I guess that that's what you need to be doing as you think about adding individual picks to the rest of your portfolio audience. You have to find com you have to find companies that can perform well in both this economy and, you know, afterwards, because the, the thing we keep forgetting is that we keep looking for stocks that are going to perform well in like a collapse environment. Like we're thinking of stocks that will perform well in March 2020 when there's a lot of reasons why we'll see even though we're, we're seeing a lot of like fiscal stuff, you know, go sideways on us. We're seeing a lot of things get a little bit better, at least after this next spike in COVID. That's, you know, we're currently in the middle of, we haven't hit peak Omicron yet, but peak Omicron hopefully will be in the next three weeks or so. We'll ride this storm out and then hopefully get to a period where COVID has the opportunity be to become more endemic as opposed to being, you know, a raging pandemic. But of course, another variant could come in and just sweep that under the rug, right? And so audience, as you think about that, you have to think about a stock that can perform well in sort of both circumstances. What, what stocks have a good 
play regardless of what's going to happen. Uh, if it's not going to only really perform when its competitors are getting smushed down and suddenly Omicron does the thing that some some people on the fringes are saying it'll do, which is kind of just like be a blanket vaccine for everyone and sort of make COVID like a much less severe issue by, you know, the middle of this year, then uh, will that stock still perform well? What you need to find is those stocks that'll do well regardless, have a big play no matter what, which is why I we, we did that re- report on Microsoft this week. Microsoft is absolutely set up to win regardless because it's one of those things where a all of their um, all of their growth drivers are you know within services they're either software as a service or some or like um like business services themselves right uh so they're going they're going to be fine no matter what and the thing is too the thing that's going to really drive microsoft's growth is either a people are going to have to stay remote or b people are going to have to shift to some kind of hybridized works and so many like high performing workers are never going back to offices right so no matter what microsoft has a revenue stream through all of this and so that's why i have a really you know strong eye forward in terms of thinking about microsoft as it grows, um, I don't. Uh, I'm not necessarily sure if it's going to surpass Apple as the top company in the world. Apple certainly can come up with some stunners this year in regards to if they ever, you know, concretely announce they're putting out an EV or or not that sort of thing. But I'm really excited to have those kind of low and slow plays to buttress your portfolio as you move forward, audience. And so I appreciate all of your questions about clarifications around Microsoft if they will perform well if COVID ends or not. The the, the thing that's going to make Microsoft perform well is not, you know, oh, I'm better than everyone else because of the pandemic. It's Microsoft is going to be the company of digital transformation again. They transformed all of corporate America from, uh, you know, basically bar charts and like slide rules in the 90s to PCs. And now they're going to take a very sort of like in-person office environment and turn that into something that allows all companies of any size to be distributed. And I think that's absolutely brilliant in terms of just like a way that you manage to navigate your way through uh, the 21st century. Just bravo to the executive team at at Microsoft. It's it's honestly just uh, astounding to watch, especially in these circumstances. But as we get to the back half here, we're getting more into audience questions here, Jeff. And a lot of people are still thinking, you know, pretty deeply about um, just just various picks as well. People are people are really not struggling, but there's a lot to think about in terms of where I need to be putting putting my stocks, uh, putting my uh, my money, right? And a lot of people are thinking, okay, so I guess financials seems to be the the main game to play. And so you had a really good report this week as well about financials, you know, Wells Fargo, Ally, State Street Corporation. What are your thoughts in terms of where financials fit in this year? Like how, how will financial services kind of roll through this kind of weird and contractionary moment? Yeah. So financial services are interesting because, you know, historically a boring industry, you have these giant banks who've been around forever who are growing, but growing so well. like they're not like changing it like the world here in terms of like their standard growth. Um, and then on top of that, they pay dividends. So they're always been like a nice stable pick to round out your portfolio. However, this year is different because they are the most correlated to rising interest rates like out there. And so with rates going to rise up, they have more upside potential than basically any other stock uh, sector right now. And so when you look across, we're looking at ones that have high interest rate sensitivity towards it rising rates. And so the names we recommended are those and more. We also think that financials are going to continue to rally as the spread between what they're paying interest versus the interest they're getting increases. I mean, the upside for them relative to a lot of other sectors, like, is kind of unparalleled. Like, the ability to like increase an interest rate, like, no one gets the challenge that financials do. So, like, 
it's a sector we loved last year and we love even more this year. And assuming the Fed continues to raise rates and like that path doesn't change, financials are going to rally this year. Like obviously nothing's 100%, but pretty confident in saying that if the Fed all of a sudden decides they don't want to do that, then, you know, we're obviously looking at the potentially the inverse here. But a lot of the price run up in the last six months have been due to this event happening. And then the name specifically at Wells Fargo, who have a lot of interest rate sensitive loans on their books, you know, they're just in a position to really capitalize. And that's kind of like why we're looking at financials and why we've looked at those three stocks in particular. Precisely. And it's one of those things where I know we keep we keep pre- prefacing, we keep feeling embarrassed, like saying, oh, I know it's kind of a boring pick. Sorry, guys. But no, no, no. We have we have to get rid of that mindset. Boring is beautiful, especially in 2022. If you're an investor. Yeah, no, I think you said it perfectly. Boring is boring is outperforming fun. Like it hasn't been the case for the last decade, but like that's what's that's what happened last year. And that's what's going to happen this year. Obviously, Tesla and a few other people were choice names that outperform. But like United Healthcare and CVS beat 99, like 95 percent of the street. Like, you know, no one was. No one was predicting that at the start of the year. Which is awesome. I mean, go team CVS for making that transformation and go team United Healthcare for finding ways to own the entirety of the doctor patient relationship, which is kind of the main thing you have to do. You have to own the whole customer life cycle, regardless of like what your customer slash service is. And so that's really exciting to see in terms of thinking our way through this. Like, again, we're not going to be making those truly ludicrous gains we experienced uh, at the very beginning of the recovery in 2020. We're going to be seeing, you know, normal adult investing, you know, the good stuff. And so what I'm excited about is right now, this moment, because at the end of last year, you saw a lot of the noise fade away in the um, financial education space as all the day traders kind of went and hid because it just became very difficult to have a like a successful mindset as a day trader. And now you're seeing it happen in crypto as well, where a lot of the people who are like, guaranteed you're going to be a billionaire if you buy uh, Tether right now, doesn't make any sense. But, you know, follow me along with it. Um, I'm really excited to see, you know, more um, uh, mature and more long term perspectives kind of emerge, especially in sort of like the finfluencer face. That's not a good word to uh, put put together but i did the best i could but of course um audience we do try to keep this at a tight 30 and we're i have no idea how we already blazed through uh 25 minutes of this so justin justin kramer co-founder of moby.co and also our chief analyst here any final thoughts from you before i go ahead and sort of like round this out we, we managed to address most of like the dms i got in terms of thinking about the various picks we made this week and the various just the very complex macro and sort of fiscal environment we're thinking about any final thoughts from you before i go ahead and read the credits here man it's been a wild ride as always yeah, of course. And the only thing I'll say at the end is just for 2022, I'd say the key theme more so than ever, obviously last year, this was not the theme, but to not chase trends. And so NFTs, you know, were a good example, obviously trend chasing, if you're an early adopter there, did really well towards the end of last year, started to reverse. And so this year, not saying not to invest in NFTs. I'm not saying to not invest in crypto. I'm not, not saying to do any of that. I think chasing trends that you know aren't legitimate is going to be to your detriment in 2022 looking for solid companies that actually have solid financials it didn't really matter that much over the last you know several years but now it's really going to matter more than ever so pull out those old financial textbooks look up the boring metrics do your work do your homework and it'll pay dividends this year more so than it has in the last several 
Exactly, man. Yeah, folks, when in doubt, do math. And audience, thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you so much for all your awesome questions, and thank you so much for your awesome perspective. If you want to hear more from us, you can also check us over out over at YouTube or at youtube.com slash C slash Invest. We just put out a kind of short, sweet, punchy video about why we think Microsoft has the potential to beat Apple once again as the top market company by market cap this year, or just like why it's just a you know good investment overall in this environment. You can also feel free to check us out at Moby.co as well. Um, if you liked listening to this live, be sure to check us out over at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and actually Google Podcasts for whatever reason. That's where we're being distributed right now and basically wherever podcasts are sold. Um, otherwise, audience, I really appreciate your time here. If you have any other questions, post this. Anything you want us to focus on throughout next week before we get to next week's interview, feel free to DM me directly. I'm, uh, I'm Mobistar here on Discord. Or if you're listening to the recording, just feel free to email us. I'm Peter at Moby.co. I always want to hear from our audience. I always want to make sure that I am giving you a perspective that you need uh, to better. I want to make sure that everything I do here is precisely for you, our brilliant and probably beautiful audience and with that audience just thank you so much for being here and as always uh, this podcast is hosted voiced and uh, produced by me peter star northrop all the uh, sort of uh, intellectual advice you heard today came from the analyst team here at moby.co led by justin kramer co-founder here at moby.co uh, if you have any other questions feel free to hit us up at hello at moby.co otherwise audience thank you so much for being here with us and as always i'd like to leave you with peace love and incremental gains everyone be well thank you so much